Welcome to the Demand Excellence Podcast. I am your host, Coach Jonathan Guess, and today on the podcast, I have Coach Dexter Wood, and it is an extremely exciting interview for me. Ever since I've been a coach, people have talked to me about Dexter Wood, and not just his ability as a coach, but his character, him as a Christian man, his impact on athletes, not just winning football games, but he is one heck of a football coach. Right now, he serves as the athletic director of Buford High School. Everybody knows of Buford High School. It's a nationally known program. Well, Dexter Wood built it. He got there in 1995, and from 1995 to 2005, he won three state championships and two state runner-ups. He also won 47 games in a row. When he retired, total wins as a head coach was 257 wins and 92 losses, and then he had three ties as well. He's been inducted to the Georgia Athletic Coaches Association Hall of Fame. He is one heck of a man, and you are going to enjoy this podcast. I started doing this podcast last year with the mission being to encourage and equip Christian coaches across the country. And for me, kind of like an exclamation mark is getting Dexter Wood on the podcast, and I really enjoyed it. Another thing, another note before we get started, I created a website, www.coachguess, you spell my last name, G-E-S-S, dot com. And on that website, I have the podcast page. And on the podcast page, I have Georgia legends that I've interviewed uh, between last year and now, th- ones that are easily easily accessible for you to get to um, on the podcast. And so you should check that out because there are some great, great coaches and I have learned so much through interviewing them and I think it will be very, very beneficial for you. So I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoy the interview with Coach Dexter Wood. What precedes you is your faith and your strong faith in Jesus Christ. Talk about that first before we talk about how you got into coaching um, and how that uh, stipulates or, or uh, kind of controls how you lead as a coach. Well, Coach, I appreciate that question. Um, so I was a senior at University of Alabama about to graduate with a business degree, uh, but Three years earlier, I had come to know Christ through a, a campus uh, organization called Campus Crusade for Christ. I had grown up a religious person uh, by going to church, but I'd never known a personal relationship with Jesus Christ until my freshman year in college. And uh, so here I am about to graduate with a business degree and not sure what I wanted to do. I had worked at some youth camps, summer camps, and uh, even as a part-time youth minister in a church the prior summer, and I began to think, well, what about going to seminary and becoming a youth minister? And and then I thought, well, athletics has impacted me so great. Uh, maybe maybe this coaching thing is. And so through a lot of prayer and some good counsel, including my head football coach at the time, uh, I decided really kind of on a trial basis, I would try this coaching thing as a ministry. Uh, and not, have, not being certified, 
uh, one of the places I'd worked in a church uh, had a really neat Christian school in Gadsden, Alabama. And so my first uh, coaching job as kind of a trial and error, so to speak, was uh, at Westminster Christian School in Gadsden, Alabama. And I was a head basketball coach and assistant football right out of college. And uh, here I am 47 years later, and I still look back and think, you know what? It was a great ministry, and it continues. And uh, and God has allowed the platform of, of, of athletics. And and uh, when I was a football coach for 31 years, uh, as a ministry to reach kids, and yet be a be a competitor in a Christ-like manner. So that's kind of been my journey. Talk, coach, talk about go back to um, I guess a little bit more detail of uh, what you played in high school. Uh, where you uh, where you went to high school and then college and then you, I mean you mentioned Gaston, Alabama, your first coaching thing there. But I'm interested in uh, finding out about you and kind of how God through time built your core philosophy and how you lead and how you coach. And I know you probably learned a lot of things in high school being an athlete. You mentioned being a competitor. Um, to lead, talk about that and then. Um, college, and then kind of move up the ranks as you travel through your coaching career? Well, I appreciate it, Coach. My, uh, certainly my my journey as an athlete growing up in my small town of Ozark, Alabama, is one of grace. And, um, uh, you know, back in my day, you ran the neighborhood, and uh, I had really no role models of any relatives ever having gone to college. But in the state of Alabama, you have to – pretty well determined pretty early on if you're going to be Auburn or Alabama. And for some reason, I don't know, I guess in the mid-60s and early 60s, Alabama was winning a lot of championships. I was just an Alabama fan. I used to sit in front of that little TV and dream, boy, I would love to play football for Alabama one day. And uh, <laughs> yeah, So I get into high school, and I'm, I'm somewhat of a multi-sport athlete. Uh, probably basketball was my first love, but uh, – really developed as a receiver in football and, and sure enough that dream came true and uh, so here I am entering the University of Alabama uh, in 1969 and therein began uh, the first great influence that has shaped me to this day and that was playing football at University of Alabama under coach Paul Bear Bryant and, uh, and you know I could relate story after story but just uh, the the um, the, the quest to try to be a national champion, the process that it takes, the, uh, the strain, the preparation, uh, uh, the intangibles that, that he demanded with poise in class and effort and mental and physical toughness shaped me in, uh, like, like nothing had ever had or, or has to this point. Well, that was intersected, as I mentioned earlier, with my coming to know Christ. Uh, I had a, gr a lot of great brothers in Christ on the team, and I grew uh, deep in my faith. I was I was uh, uh, discipled by several men, got involved in Bible studies. I was real active in the church. I was president of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes my senior year. And uh, so just God began to mold me in those two great areas, being being in that football program and then coming to know Christ and, and growing deep in him. And that's really what set me off uh, into my coaching career. Uh, uh, again, I wanted to be a ministry, but but I wanted I wanted uh, to be shaped by. I guess business taught me a lot about mission statements and core values and 
And uh, so it was somewhat of a pilgrimage early on in my coaching career. But early on, my mission statement that carried me through my whole career into this day uh, really came out of 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. And uh, uh, you study those verses, and, and my mission statement for our football programs became to impact players toward purpose and self-control in their lives while striving to win championships on the field. And uh, 1 Corinthians talks about running a race in such a way that you may win. And so one of the things that, that was a core value of my coaching leadership is that we wanted to run in such a way. Not that we had to win, but we wanted to run in such a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, the football teams I would coach were a gift to me, and I wanted to be a steward back to Christ and to coach them well and to prepare them well and to run in such a way and to prepare in such a way that we could be competitive and that we could you know, strive to win the race. And so uh, those verses go on and talk about uh, the idea that we, uh, we uh, it's such as a boxer not beating the air, but he has, has purpose in every, every punch. And so uh, creating purpose in young men's lives and, and then he talks about later bruising your body and the self-control that it takes. So along the way, trying to create purpose in young men's lives, self-control, making good choices in their life, which is a great challenge for them, and yet using the great game of football and athletics to try to point them toward Christ in their personal life. So that's probably a mouthful right there. Hope that makes sense. No, this this is very good, Coach. Let's talk a little bit about um, – you mentioned some stuff about Bear Bryant, and I think it's very unique uh, that you played for him. Um, and, and you obviously you have a lot of respect for him, and you just talked about the strain and the preparation that it takes to win. How one of the things that I struggle with is just the balance, the pursuit of winning, and pursuing it at all costs, but also balancing that with the other things that God has called us to do: faithful husbands, loving fathers, men who are going to impact the community for Jesus Christ. I think as a football coach. I can impact the community because I'm impacting the parents and I'm impacting um, the players. But, you know, a lot of times uh, we can be so focused on our preparation and strain so hard we neglect um, our home, which is God's first priority. How did you take that, what, what Paul Bear Bryant taught you, and find balance? Well, I, I think that was a journey, too. I, I don't know that I ever landed in a perfect place with that. Uh, and I think you nailed it. I think that's a struggle of every Christian coach. And that's balancing, balancing that competitive nature in us to be completely prepared to work a process which, which requires strain, which requires time, requires great effort, great preparation, to think that your team and, and your individual players are totally prepared. And, and and then you've got a family, and 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 then they've got families, and 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 there certainly it's not the most important thing. It's their walk with Christ and uh, your family and all those kinds of things. So uh, certainly that was a struggle, particularly if things were getting off the tracks for your football team a little bit more. The nature of a football coach, well, I got to work a little harder, spend a little more time here. I got to be a little bit more hard nosed, and then you begin neglecting even more if you're in a situation where you're trying to rebuild or. Or, or, you know, things aren't going really well. I think the thing that drove my coaching more than anything, though, is I wanted to be more of a, a leader than a, than a great coach. I wanted to be a great leader because I felt like a great leader 
you know, a great coach. I can touch those football players and maybe those parents from my program and, 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 and I can dictate through preparation and maybe coaching expertise and preparation, the outcome of, of a football game at times. But I think a leader, um, you know, has a greater impact. They can go in that school building if they're a leader. They can go in that community and uh, that board of education and, and that central office and, and even outside of that, if, if they lead, you know, I think leaders, uh, if they're leading in the right way, create significance. And when you have significance, then you have influence on other people's lives. And I really strive to be a greater leader than an even greater coach. So to answer your question, in, in trying to be a, a better leader and a greater leader and have the influence and significance in their life, um, I, there would be times I would just say, coaches, it's time to go home. And, and we're not going to meet tomorrow. We're not going to do this. And I felt this as my crew went on, that it was a long football season. And, and I thought fatigue is a great enemy of a football team toward the end of the season and going into playoffs. And sometimes we just burn it too hard early in the season and middle of the season. And, 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 and what you, what I got concerned about is I was always concerned that my, my coaches at home, if they weren't there and weren't having quality time there as the season went on, they would become somewhat burned out and stale and, and, and having frictions at home. And so uh, as, as, the, as the season would go on, I would even shorten practices and send coaches home after practice. No, we're not going to watch anything. We're not going to stay here. And for the most part, my my practice schedule, and we were getting out of school around 3 o'clock, is I wanted coaches off that field and at home by 6 o'clock. And I definitely want them home putting kids in bed and trying to eat dinner with their families and those kind of things. And that was pretty much a priority for me. I, made, I failed miserably again. I stand in grace. <laughs> but that was pretty well uh, the approach that I tried to take in my 31 years as a head football coach. Coach, talk about your first experience um, as a head coach. Um, Talk, and talk about, first of all, where, you know, I guess you could take me your road as an assistant, but then your first experience as a head coach and some of the things that you learned when you first became a head football coach. I spent those first few years just like mission statement, and I wanted to establish what I thought were, were how to develop a championship program and, and do it in a Christ-like manner. And, uh, and I had come up with a little diagram in those early years as a coach, and I used them all those years that I, that I felt like there were there, that a championship football program had five foundational um, principles that I would communicate to my board and to my to my coaches, my parents, and all that. This is this is how we're gonna try to build a championship program. And and so I spent my first two or three years just trying to evolve that. And uh, there's no, nothing rocket science. I probably copied most of them other people because I was one of those that went to clinics and read and studied and, and tried to stay ahead of the game as best I could. But, you know, and um, so, you know, real simply, those things that, that during those first two or three years as assistant coach and then when I became a head coach, these were my foundational things, talented athletes that are committed a year, to year-round development of their skills. Uh, that's the first criteria or first step in trying to win a championship. You've got to have some talented players. But they certainly got to be committed to developing their skills while doing other things in their life. And uh, I was in small schools for much of my early career where I shared athletes. I learned that as a great lesson. And but yet they could be developing skills on a year-round basis. Secondly, you got to have 
you got to have the right kind of coaches, the right kind of people on the bus with you, and you got to get them in the right seats. And, and and for me, those right kind of coaches were the three C's. They had to be competent. They had to know how to connect and be willing and be able to have the giftedness of connecting with kids, and they had to have Christian character. They had to love kids in the right manner, and they had to present themselves uh, in that manner to kids on a daily basis. And the third thing was developing feeder programs. Um, the fourth thing was was uh, developing the administrative and faculty support and getting connected with them, and uh, which included facilities and being able to develop those types of things you need. And then the last part of it was the community support through the booster clubs and through my mom's huddles and the different things that we did with uh, the parents and all. So that was kind of the model that I used to evaluate where we were on a year-in and year-out basis. Coach, everybody knows Buford. And, you know, and, and kind of you, you laid the foundation for what Buford is now. And then, of course, I'm talking football, but they all also excel um, at every other sport. But where, where were you before Buford? Why did you go to Buford? And how did you build it when you went there? Well, that's a, that's a long answer to that, but, uh, and I'll, I'll keep it short. But uh, my career, kind of my first, uh, I guess, 10 or 12 years was, was kind of moving around and just really trying to figure out um, if this is what I was going to stay in or get, go back and, and go to youth ministry. And so uh, my wife's family lived in the Atlanta area. And about 10 years into coaching in Alabama, uh, I made the big move. And we decided to come to the Atlanta area where her family was and and leave my home state where I'd grown up. And we just thought it was a better environment for our church and for raising a family. And, and, and if I ever decided to get out of coaching Atlanta, it would be better than, than where I was. And so uh, I took the head football coaching job at Lasseter High School, where I stayed for three years. And then I went to Marietta High School, uh, where I was the head football coach for eight years. And... It was along that time when we had moved here, we had settled in our church in the Alpharetta area, and I was making that commute to Marietta all those years. And we never moved in that community. I always thought we would, but we just never did because the church and, and my wife was teaching in our, our church school and Christian school, and my, my, my kids, my young kids were in the, in the Christian school there at that point, and uh, I just wasn't going to sacrifice that, so I made the travel, and Marietta worked with me, but after eight years there, I began to look. I wanted something on this side of town. My son was getting up towards middle school and didn't want to miss those times with him, and my daughter was uh, entering high school, and and I just wasn't going to make those long commutes anymore, and uh, I just began looking around, and somebody said, well, Buford High School is old, and that's a little small single A school if you want to slow down, and <laughs> and uh, things, and uh, lo and behold, I, I expressed some interest in it and got off of the job, and uh, that was 25 years ago, and when I came to Buford in 1995, it was, uh, I think we had about 350 students, mid-sized single-A school, and uh, a little bit of tradition in football, at least they'd been competitive, they'd won a state championship in 1978, but it really not done much for, for many years in terms of advancing in the playoffs uh, but you know what I saw something there even way back then as a small single a school I just I mentioned those 
those five foundational things. And one of the biggest things I, I felt there is administration and faculty support and and uh, a community that was hungry and uh, and was 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 willing to be led. I thought we had some athletes that could be developed and and I just I just thought some ingredients were there and uh, and the biggest thing is I thought they would allow me to bring in some, the kind of coaches that that I wanted to kind of build our culture around people like Jess Simpson and Tony Wolf and those kinds of people that have gone on to win a whole lot of championships on their own and that's kind of uh, kind of staff we started with there and uh, and that's really that's really kind of what got us going um, at Buford and uh, we just we just took the philosophy of of trying to build a program the right way with the right kind of people on the bus and the right seats and loving kids and yet we had a plan and a process uh, we adjusted our schemes obviously you got to do that according to your talent every year a little bit but we had foundational beliefs and I had core core football beliefs that that married good with with my best assistant coaches and um, you know when you get that thing going and, and, and you win a little bit, but you're doing it the right way and you're impacting our community and kids and our school building and, and it gets exciting and that thing gets rolling and uh, doggone, it's been rolling for about 25 years now. It's just been crazy. <laughs> yeah. Coach, you talked about foundational beliefs. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. If you don't mind, like, what was your foundational beliefs? You know, let's let's go overall. You know, offense, defense. I mean, what? You know, when when I think my foundational beliefs, like you know, we're we are going to play physical defense and we're going to run the ball on offense. Those are things that I think about. What? So, who are you, and how did you build it? What foundational beliefs there from a schematic standpoint? Yeah, coach, that's a good question, and that goes back to my Alabama days. I was shaped by that. And, um, and and really my whole coaching career and even Buford football to this day uh, with Brian Appling, who I hired and has been at Buford for 14 years now and just won his, his first state championship as a first-year coach. And, and he really did it with these, I guess what you call old-school principles nowadays. But uh, I, I basically prioritize the same thing. We're going to play great defense. And if, if we're going to play kids both ways, our best player is going to be on defense. And, and you know, until we get in good shape, we'll, we'll rotate and, and those kind of things. But we're going, to, we're going to have our best players, and we're going to play great defense, and it's going to start with stopping the run. And uh, so that was the first core. And, uh, and we're going to be awfully fundamentally sound with that too. Uh, spent a whole lot of time on tackling drills and getting off blocks. And, and I don't know that we were that complicated. But by God, we knew how to take on a block, and we knew how to play hard, and we knew how to be physical. Always graded effort. Uh, you know, you'll grade a plus or a minus on an execution, but there's also going to be a plus or a minus on an effort in terms of pursuit or getting to the football. And so that was kind of the staple of of our football teams. And I always, I always was just real fortunate that my defense coordinator was my right hand person, and I trusted them, and usually let them run that side of the ball, and. Uh, if there was ever a time in practice where we had to spend extra time, I'd cut an offense short to make sure we were we were ready to go on defense. And so it always started with that. Uh, I think my second thing there is I was always a great special teams guy. I just thought that could be a winning edge. Uh, I thought people 
those coaches I, I knew just were, were focused on defense and offense and trying to out-scheme you and coach you and do those things there. And I just thought you could win football games and special teams. And we were just always so disciplined. And and we were going to block a punt or return a kick and, and, and get in position to make plays through special teams. So we worked really hard on that. And I make sure practice was scripted that we weren't, we weren't cutting that short. And we gave ample time to, to being great in special teams. And I, and I guess that was – a big thing too, and then on offense, nothing new there. Just kind of the same thing. We're gonna we're gonna be hard nosed. We're gonna be physical up front. Uh, I always thought that we were gonna try to win the line of scrimmage with uh, with low pad level and coming off football, and we're gonna run the football. And uh, we'll play action pass off of that, and we'll be fully dimensional. I was always my own offensive coordinator and my own quarterback coach. There were a couple times there I helped with receivers, but mostly uh, I felt my giftedness during the game was in was being an offensive coach. So all my years in coaching, I was my own offensive coordinator. And, and so while the defense coordinator was uh, was my right-hand person, my left-handed person was my offensive line coach because we were always going to try to win it up front with, with great line play. So um, I, I think probably the two core things that I learned early on and, and I felt this was so true too is I always believe that particularly against good teams, more games are lost than are won. And along with that, another saying that every one of my people could repeat is before you can win, you got to keep from beating yourself. Right. And I think if you look at our football teams over the last 25 years at Buford, that, that being disciplined and hard-nosed, doing what I just talking what I'm about, talking about, being hard-nosed, being able to run the football and being physical, and particularly when you get in the fourth quarter, you know, You've trained and disciplined, and you're playing hard, and that physical nature just kind of, kind of takes over. We always believe we could win the fourth quarter, and and I probably the last part of that is I always was a big believer in intangibles. We we get up on a Monday with our players and defense coordinator go to the defense chart and and uh, different coaches do the uh, special teams chart, and I usually have the offensive line coach do the. Uh, offensive chart in terms of where we were in the game it always got up there and here's the intangible chart and so guys here's our effort level here's our class here's our poise uh, here's our mental toughness and as a head coach always evaluated them on that part and so I don't know that that's kind of I think who we are so Buford uh, this year with Brian Appling as our head coach I'll just give you an example of that we you know we <laughs> We go back to old school. We're running the football. We're playing pretty good defense and stopping the run, and we're getting the playoffs, and, and we're probably not favored. There's, there's probably two or three teams more talented than us, and we run into one of them pretty quickly in the in the third round, and we're behind most of the game. But you get to the end of the game, and we kick a, we kick a walk-off game-winning field goal. Yeah, wow. And the, different, the difference in the game is they had three turnovers, and we had zero. Mm-hmm. It goes back to that before you can win. you got to keep beating yourself. And then it goes back to that kicking game. We had field position all night with our kicking game and then finally won it with a field goal. And it was not a chip shot. It was like a 41-yarder. So we probably beat somebody we shouldn't have beat that night in Carrollton. And uh, and then we get the state championship game against my team that nobody really played close with, and that was with Warner Robbins. And uh, we really didn't slow them down much. And uh, it was much the same kind of game, you know. Uh, we were having a little success. We're stopping the run and making them do some things they don't want to do. And, and we're getting a dog fight. And doggone if we don't get in overtime and, and they turn it over. And uh, we line up on the first snap and 
kick a game-winning kick in overtime to win a state championship. And they had two crucial turnovers in that game, and we had zero. So in the two biggest games of the year, we had zero turnovers to five turnovers for our opponents, and we kicked two game-winning field goals. And uh, that's just kind of who we are. Yeah. Coach, it's it's fun talking with you because uh, my philosophy is the exact same as yours. And it really um, – our philosophy is kind of challenged a little bit today. Like, like you said, like we're old school – um, you know, our greatest stat this year, or really for me, was uh, we didn't have one turnover throughout the whole playoffs. And, um, wow. and you know, it's something that we focus on. It's something that we talk about. And it's strategic. Like, we don't, we don't throw risky passes. We don't, you know, our, our, everybody's taught to not put the ball on the ground. But, but you know, it's, it's kind of challenged today because – they, people will say, well, if you don't turn the ball over, uh, you're not trying on offense. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't really understand how that makes any sense. <laughs> you're exactly right. And I just uh, – it sounds like we're on the same page. I, I learned earlier on the coach about, you know, I remember going to Auburn University coaching clinic when Pat died just taking that thing over. And I think it was his running back coach or something – maybe a receiver coach, but they just showed these ball protection drills, these fumble drills. And, and man, I just latched on that. And, I mean, every single day at practice, our running backs and receivers, we're tucking, we're doing, we're doing monkey rolls with footballs on the right arm, left arm. And then we're learning how to recover fumbles. And then we're learning how when it is loose that it's going to be ours. And, you know, it's just – it's a mindset you create. And uh, – it's a culture, and kids can certainly buy into it. And I know I've watched your team play enough to know that. And I just I call that disciplined football. Yeah. You know, it it's goes back to what you said, too. And it's not that, you know, that, that we're not smart people. But I think the first part of intelligence is understanding the things that can cause me to defeat myself. And, you know, and I think, you know, I, I'm going to throw a Christian thing in here, but, like, I tell the kids every single day, your biggest battle is not anybody out there. Your biggest battle is you because we're sinners. And our heart, the Bible says, you know, our heart is deceitful and, and, and desperately sick and, and wicked. And, man, I am my own worst enemy. And if I will focus on me, you know, in my relationship with Christ, then, then I can be the best version of me, but quickly I can become the worst version of me. It's, it's the same thing as a, if you look at your football team as one body, we're our own worst enemy, and we are the very first ones that can defeat ourselves. Coach, you're exactly right. And I tell you, uh, a key value that, that I really tried to lead with and impart in our program at Buford and all that is that uh, – the word excellence, and that's about, I, I talked in a Zoom meeting this morning with my baseball seniors, and, and my topic was, guys, the rest of your life, you're about to leave, choose excellence over success. And the key thing there, success is, is what you are compared to others, and that's, that's what our society is about. You measure up. I mean, we're on the field competing, and, and we're trying to win on the school board, and, 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 there, and there's a place for it and all that, and and but that's what too many people are focused on comparing yourselves to others and what the school board say and all that whereas excellence focuses on who you are 
and you are the determiner. Are you, be, are you being the best version of yourself? Are you defining greatness to, according to your potential and who you are? And uh, so I never talked about winning championships. I only talked about, guys, are you being the best version of yourself on a daily basis? Are you improving every practice, game by game, your skill, le- your skill level, your leadership, your character, you being a teammate, are you choosing excellence every day? And I don't care what the score was on Friday night. Did we improve? Did we get better? Did we choose to be excellent? Or did we just choose to look at a scoreboard and try to win a football game? And you know what? If you choose excellence and you're trying to improve and, and you're being the best version of yourself, we said play Buford football and you win. We didn't care who the opponent was. We prepared and all those kind of things. But the focus was on us and not the others. And so I think that's been kind of a, a value that fit, fits Exactly what you're talking about with, with with Christ uniquely made every one of these kids we work with, and he gave them a talent and a gift, but too often they want to say, I don't have this, or, or I didn't do that. But but God, you know, numbered every hair on the head. He uniquely made them, and they've got to understand that that makes them special and significant. And I always say, who are you? Where are you going? And how are you going to get that? Who are you? You're a child of God. Where you are going? You're passing through this earth to spend an eternity with your Father in heaven, and how are you going to get there? Through the blood of Jesus Christ and by faith and the grace that he's given you. And that's who you are and where you're going and how are you going to get there. And that's what excellence is in my mind. That's, that's awesome, Coach. Coach, what would you, as we wrap it up, what would you tell – it could be a two-kind-of-part question. You know, you got, you got uh, kids 22, 23, they're getting into coaching. You know, what, what is some advice for them – and then my, my second part of that question is um, somebody just got the head coaching job at a school, you know, um, you know, like you did. You were at Buford, um, 350 students in the high school, single-A school. What is it, some advice for them? Some, I mean, here you are with all this wisdom. What would you tell them a few things um, to focus on and keep in perspective? Starting out as a head coach at a school like that, is that what you're talking about, as a head coach? Yeah, let's do that one first. They're starting out as a head coach, or they have aspirations to be a head coach. What, what's your yeah. – Well, you know, I just – I really think that – I guess I go back to the last piece of advice Coach, coach Paul Bear Bryant gave me. Uh, when I was debating about whether to go into coaching or, or whether to go into ministry, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ask him what he thinks about coaching. And uh, I remember after two weeks of walking by his office door, I finally saw it propped open and I knocked and I went in there and said, Coach, I'm thinking about going into coaching. What kind of advice would you give me or suggestion or do you think I should even think about it since I hadn't really prepared for it? And he uh, wasn't very verbal, but I remembered all these years exactly what he told me. And he said, first – don't go into coaching unless you can't live without it. And you know what? That it, I don't know that I understood that completely, but uh, as a young Christian, what that meant to me is is that, that going into coaching is a calling. Uh, I've been ordained for this. God gifted me to lead young men and point them to Christ through the great vehicle of athletics and football. And that's, not, that's what I couldn't live without, is being able to, to use the giftedness that God gave me to impact kids. And so I think when – a young coach takes over a program, just remember you're called to this. You're ordained for this. Use your giftedness and a priority to make a difference in kids' life and use the great game of athletics or football 
to help shape them and point them to Christ. And uh, the second thing he said, if you do, do go into it, just remember two things. And number one, surround yourself with people, great people. And in fact, surround yourself with people that are better than you. And boy, I can tell you that every bit of success I had is because I was so blessed to be surrounded by great people. Well, it was a Jess Simpson uh, who was my right-hand person during my, my my tenure as the head coach and then took over after, you know, I retired. And, and I could go on and on. The Tony Wilson, the Christian Huncutts, the, the Brian Applings, all those people. Uh, just surround yourself with great people. And when I was choosing to go to take over schools, that's an important thing, too. Uh, sometimes we think the pasture's greener on the other side, but just be able to see uh, what kind of people are you going to be able to be around on a daily basis? Is it is it a culture and a building and a administration and a, and a coaching staff that you can build uh, that's going to be encouraging and uplifting and is going to make you a better person? Or is it going to be a fellowship of the miserable type thing? And I think sometimes we, we look at the tangibles and we don't look at the intangibles of a of a job as being much more important to our family and job satisfaction in our career and and so I think Coach was exactly right. Just surround yourself with the right kind of people. And and then the last piece of advice he gave me is always have a plan, you know. And uh, I'm a type A personality, so 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 being detailed and organized and 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 those kind of things kind of a little bit natural to me. But but laying out that plan and being able to sell it, sell it to your players, sell it to your coaches, sell it to your parents, sell it to your community. There's a plan and a process, and. Uh, and it involves trying to strive for championships, but it also involves us being the best uh, developing your child and our players as the best young men possible. And, and that's advice I'd give them. Start off with that. Try to get in a great program around great people. Have a plan and a process. And if you don't have great communication skills, both in writing and in, in, in that's one thing I appreciate about you so much, Coach, is you've got such a giftedness of expressing the vision and the process and the plan and writing. I've read some of your your emails to your parents and all, and they just so inspired me. But young coaches sometimes get so involved in those things. Study leadership, study communication skills, and communicate it to your players and to your parents and to your community and, and have a plan for it and sell it and then go for it. Coach, man, it has been awesome. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, it's just been a blessing to talk to you, and I know this is going to be a blessing for a lot of people. Uh, man, you are one of the most respected uh, coaches and just people in the state of Georgia when it comes to sports. And so uh, it's been a blessing for me. You said so, you said so much great things. Um, and so I just want to thank you. And, uh, man, thank you for uh, just – uh, being a great leader and somebody for people like me to look up to. Um, and even though I don't know you, um, <laughs> just, just, just what has been said about you. Um, you are always a guy that I knew, uh, that I wanted to be like. And, uh, so that's pretty cool that I didn't even meet you, but I haven't even really met you. And I still, um, have had many conversations about you and know that you're a coach that I want to emulate and be like, and uh, so, Coach, I really appreciate you. Well, Coach, I'm so humbled by your comments. It's, uh, it's only by the grace of God, and it's always to his glory. And and for somebody that's such a bright, gifted, young coach and leader, and with your art your resume, and for you to say those kind of things, uh, truly is humbling to me and inspires me, and I'm so thankful. And uh, I just, you know, our, our God is great. And, uh, 
and uh, he's put some great people in our lives, and we're blessed, and uh, we all got the great families, and uh, life's a vapor. It passes by pretty fast, and we just got to look to him and give him the glory for all of these things that we're able to accomplish, and, uh, and I'm certainly humbled by what I've been able to accomplish through his grace. So thank you so much, Coach. It's an honor to be on this uh, podcast and be able to talk, and great questions. I mean, you are so gifted, and I appreciate the honor. Coach, I always end uh, praying, but I would like for you to pray tonight, if you don't mind. I would love to. Yes, sir. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you with great adoration and thanksgiving that you have given us uh, the great gift of leading young men and women in our roles as coaches and teachers in our school buildings and communities. Thank you that you called us to that. Thank you that you've prepared us. Thank you that you empower us through your spirit. You empower us through your word and through the fellowship we can have with each other, such as programs as this. So I thank you for Coach Guess and uh, the impact he's making with this program. And thank you that we can all just uh, talk about how to best glorify you in the work that you've called us to do, and that's to lead young people. Thank you for that blessing. Thank you that your spirit gives us the power to do the things that are hard and um, so we just want to pray for all the coaches out there listening to this that the road sometimes is hard and that we would just keep our eyes fixed on you and we can forget what lies behind and then we can always press forward to the upward call in Christ Jesus because ultimately that's what we're most accountable for to try to be the kind of followers that that you can use in realms of influence. So give grace to coaches with their families and their programs. Empower them, put the right people around them. And uh, God, just thank you for this opportunity to talk about how you can use a great game of athletics to point others to you. Thank you for that blessing. Thank you for Coach Guest. Thank you for this program. And we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Coach, I appreciate you. Coach, that's a that's great. I enjoyed it as much as anything I've done recently. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a great night. Okay. Thank you, Coach. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. Bye. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever
Jesus, the only one who could ever say Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you